very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time and except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we'll, we'll certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. On this week's episode, I'm speaking with a woman who is dedicating her time to research and improvement in the female athlete. But first, we're focusing on Wexford FC, who begin life without Ian Ryan. As always, I'm Sean Connolly, and you're very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. Five counties, one big sports show. Sportsbeat Extra. I'm very pleased to be joined by the PR officer of Wexford FC, and arguably the number one fan, Mr. Ronan McCarthy. Ronan, how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, doing good, doing good today, thank you. So I think it's it's pretty clear where we have to start here. Wexford FC have a new manager and a new dawn under James Keddie. It's an intriguing appointment, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say it wasn't hugely expected um, in a way. I mean, there was lots of rumours flying around um, the grapevine. But yeah, James Keddie seems to have been the, the number one choice after a huge amount of interviews over last weekend. Um and generally, sort of looking at James, he seems to be quite a low-profile guy himself. Um, from speaking to a few Brave fans and Longford fans, he seems to have sort of quietly done his job, I'd say, is how you'd kind of describe him. Um, and more broadly then, his playing career is extraordinary. Um, he would be very well known from uh, Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk, Bohemians and Shelburne, having won three Premier Division titles, two FAI Cups. Um, he he really was one of the biggest names I think in the League of Ireland but going back a bit going back to the late 90s and early 2000s Yeah we're talking about a guy who represented Home Farm when Home Farm were a League of Ireland entity this is I think the definition of a League of Ireland veteran I mean he's represented eight clubs I believe hasn't he Home Farm from UCD and Shelburne and Dundalk all the way across the board Yeah no he genuinely has sort of been there and done that in the League of Ireland and certainly as a player I mean I, I was sort of going back through some very old uh, photographs and clippings this afternoon just trying to find out a bit of his background because as I said you know he, he, he didn't have a huge profile around the league up until now um, and yeah no his, his playing um, his playing career really does speak for itself and just while you were mentioning Home Farm um, and just thinking about his CV I mean, he was the director of football at uh, Home Farm, which is obviously one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in Ireland for the last 40 years. Yeah. And that's a huge job. That's a huge achievement. I mean, like he, Home Farm, they've produced players from like from Johnny Giles up until Richard Bunn and many, many internationals in between. That was a huge job. And I think that might actually tell us a lot about you know his, his ability in terms of youth development because they wouldn't put somebody who wasn't the absolute top dog in that position, I think. It's been somewhat of a, a rocky period, dating back, I suppose, to November 1st. Stalbert and Tom O'Connor leaving his position. Furthermore from that, from coach in terms of Goodison. And then obviously Dinny Corcoran and Shawnee O'Shea up to a couple of days ago. So it's been quite busy in Wexford, given the first two and a half weeks of November, hasn't it? Yeah, look, at the last two weeks have been far from my best or anyone else's happiest time, I'd say, following the club. Um, yeah, you've, you've run through, obviously, the biggest names in terms of the, the people who, who've departed at the end of the season. And I think, in truth, all of them sort of have their own story and they all, they're all they all individuals and they all have their individual reasons. Um, we'll go back to the start, Ian Ryan. Um, that was enormously unexpected. Um, I, 
I mean, he was certainly speaking to players about signing for next year. Um, he had spoken very well at the AGM just a couple of weeks before um, about his hopes and intentions for next year. So there was a lot in place and of course very publicly, you know, he had been approached by Watford and by Bohemians and turned them both down. So, you know, yeah, as you said, it was a very high point sort of ending 2022 with that win away mm. to Treaty United. Um, and then, yeah, on as you said, on 1st November, it was a shock. Um, and so the last few weeks, the timing hasn't been great. Obviously, that is, as you would know, one of the critical times for signing players for the following season. So the club, in fairness, has moved very fast and they've put in a huge amount of work in trying to appoint this new manager um, I'd say we were well into the double figures in terms of the people um, being interviewed, which is, uh, you know, a, a huge job. Um, but that process has been completed and uh, we're all just kind of hoping for the best now, I think, as fans oh, absolutely. for um, for James Keddie's uh, appointments. And then, yeah, you you did mention there was a lot of people then sort of in the in the back room, so to speak, who, uh, who also departed. I mean, Shawnee O'Shea really um, will be missed for sure. Um, he was, I, the, the list of jobs he did for the club is practically never ending. Like I, I mentioned, he was, you know, at one time the first team manager as caretaker. He was the chairman, obviously, for many years. Drove the bus. He was the chef. He was the opposition analyst. He, he really did everything. And um, so, well, first of all, I mean, you have to c- congratulate him on an astonishing career in sports in County Wexford. Um, and Lucas, I, I really hope it's not actually the last we ever see of him in Ferry Carrick, and I really hope it isn't. Um, but at the same time, my own feeling on it, that's an awful lot of jobs for one man to have. Um, and when Wexford's FC moves forward, we will be looking sort of more sustainably, I think, in terms of the amount of responsibility that's put on a single person. And so that would really be my hope coming out of um, sort of these last few weeks is that all of the changes that are being made, that they're made for the right reasons and it's going to be a more sustainable and more professional club in a way. But that's all hopes at the moment. Um, there will be, I'm sure, many, many more appointments to come. Um, and you mentioned as well Tom O'Connor. Um, he was the director of football and, and under-19 manager. Um, again, that's a huge responsibility for one man. That's that's two really, really big jobs. Um, and again, there will be appointments there to be made. Um, we have appointed John Godkin as the head of football operations. And this is almost spearheading what is going to be in New Look Wexford, a more professional sort of structure in the context of how, I suppose, these ideals are going forward with these appointments. Is, am I correct in saying that? Yeah. I, it's, uh, one of the things I really think about when I think about John Godkin's arrival, or say, let's talk about the whole last 15 years, and especially, let's say, the last, say, five or six years since the club was, you know, refounded as Wexford FC, and, you know, social media has made the, the conversation sort of very public, one of the biggest criticisms, I think, of Wexford has been it hasn't been locally focused enough. Um, and just in my own opinion, I think John Godkin he will make the club a lot more locally focused. Um, I, I say that will be one of the bigger shifts we'll see as well as, you know, he is obviously a hugely um, experienced football man. You know, he's, he's done an awful lot with North End. But as well as that, I think it'll make the local focus sort of undeniable. Um, and that's something that I think Wexford has fairness lied because look at when all these changes were happening I think a lot of people were sort of wondering you know what have we lost and you know what are we losing more generally with these changes but think about you know 
we, we, we've all made mistakes and not everything has been, you know, absolutely 10 out of 10 at all times. And I think one of the things we, we have not been been great at is focusing on local players and local development. And I think that's something that might actually really change a lot when John Godkin um, has a chance to get his legs under the desk. Almost, in essence, going back to the drawing board the development of local players, wasn't it? And that even if somebody didn't make it to a League of Ireland status, that they could return back to their their local club a better player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, we're casting our minds a long way back to 2007, 2008. Is, yeah. You know, there was, there was big squads in those days and it was packed with, you know, local amateur players. Your Connor Sinnott, Johnny Flynn O'Connors, etc. You could, you know, just go on through the list. Um, it was a very different day, but look at that. Well, those were happy days for the club as well, and yeah, like there might, there might be more of a more of a vibe of that kind of local focus. Um, but only time will tell. I'd say look, these last two weeks, I haven't loved them. I'd say a lot of fans have, have felt, you know, they were sort of waiting for the good news to come, and hopefully these next two to three weeks now will bring that that you know big news around, you know, local players arriving. You know whether it's local leagues or whether it's Wexford players further afield in the League of Ireland because they they certainly are out there. Um, you know that's what I think we can sort of look forward to as Wexford fans. And another thing to look forward to as Wexford fans is just how competitive this division is going to be for the next calendar. I mean, you've got Galway who've obviously remained there, you've got Waterford remaining there, and obviously now as well we've seen the announcement that Kerry FC have got a club and they're going to be around the run. How excited are you to, to make the trip down south? Oh, it's going to be a long trip, um, for sure, down to Mount Hawk Park. But yeah, no, it's 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 a cracking away trip for sure. Um, you you love to see, you know, new regions coming into the League of Ireland big time. And yeah, Kerry in particular, that will be an exciting one. Um, absolutely. Um, it's interesting as well. Look, they're going for, you know, kind of a similar philosophy to Wexford Youths back in the day. You know, Billy Dennehy did his, um, his press conference earlier this week. He's, you know, looking to, um, you know, bring bring young Kerry footballers into the League of Ireland rather than looking, you know, further afield. Um and they are going to be sticking to an amateur status as well, he was he was mentioning. So um yeah, no, it's it's a club that's definitely going to be doing things the right way. Um there will be a lot of travel next year as well with Finn Harps also coming into the league. I was just going to say it to you, yeah, you're going all the way down south and all the way up north then as well. Yeah, no, it, it is going to be a lot of travel, but you know, just spare a thought for Finn Harps who, um, I know. <laughs> who who have Longford Town as their closest trip, and that's nigh on two hundred k. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll I think maybe slightly count our blessings that at least we're at this end of the country. Well, look, all in all, when you sort of try to recap on what has been a very eventful season, Wexford have very much put themselves back on the map. People are talking about Wexford FC in an entirely different light. And it's not necessarily now that people are focusing their attention will say on Wexford Youths and the fantastic accomplishment that the women's side have done. But Wexford FC have really got back on the map and ultimately as a spectator from the outside looking in, you want to be able to say the 18 months that Ian Ryan has spent at the helm developing what has been a fantastic project that James Kelly can now take the reins and bring it to the next level. And ultimately, I'm very excited to see how it goes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a jumping off point, sort of, as you say, over these last 18 months, how much we've moved forward is, is enormous. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of that is down to Ian Ryan, the squad he brought in, the results we got. And then, you know, following on from that, obviously, our attendances, you know, they more than doubled last season, There's a lot, you know, the highest they've been since 2015. Um, so, look, that's all a huge plus. And, look, even, you know, leaving Ian Ryan's input aside, 
a lot is moving forward with the club more generally since the arrival of Tony Doyle as CEO. Um, we've seen enormous changes and I think a lot of them are for the better. And most specifically, I think one of the things that has really improved is around the stadium. Um, you know, this is obviously a weak point for practically the entire League of Ireland is that they, they don't always have a stadium that they can be hugely proud of. And, you know, change and improvements and, you know, construction takes so, so long in the League of Ireland. Like, you know, Shamrock Rovers, the biggest club in the country, they're waiting 30 years for their stadium when it's just at one stand even. For Wexford, though, we've seen an awful lot improving in the last, you know, just three or four months. Um, you know, you can look at the pitch and just look at how much that's come on since Ben Turner came in. Um, as well, the stand has obviously been repaired and it's looking a lot better. All the clubhouse has been repaired. Um, there's a new media gantry coming in. And I think nearly the biggest one is, is going to be the work on the gym We've been looking at sort of the shell of a gym for the last 15 years or so with, you know, very little or nothing inside it. That's now actually, you know, going to be coming to fruition in these next couple of months for, for sure. So, I mean, we're seeing huge changes and huge improvements and massive leaps forward for the club very broadly, even, you know, leaving aside the, the input of Ian Ryan, which will be missed, I'm sure. But look, we, we have benefited hugely from these last 18 months. Um, you know, Ian Ryan's obviously been appointed at Bray. He's, you know, move to the club that finished below us, whereas we've you know, we're going to be hopefully leaping forward then in these next uh, next twelve to twenty four months. Nothing but exciting times for Wexford. I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Ronan, thanks ever so much for your time. As always, very much appreciated. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports beat extra. SETU are hosting a panel discussion on sports science and the female athlete. It's taking place in the main auditorium at the Cork Road campus on Thursday, twenty fourth of November. Now, among the many speakers on the day are the founder of Period of the Period, Kelly McNulty. I caught up with Kelly at a special talk and shared some time to chat about her goals and the work she's completing on a daily basis. So, first and foremost, as the founder of Period of the Period, what is your goal? What is your mission? Yeah, so it's really just to change the narrative around, you know, women's and girls' participation in sport and also performance. So I started my PhD, which is looking at a women's-specific area of the menstrual cycle, hormonal contraceptive. And when we all got locked in during COVID, um, I really started reading a lot of my research and realising, you know, there isn't actually much out there to answer the questions that women and girls actually have. So I started that platform as a way just to, you know, broad in that gap between, you know, the research that's going on and what we do know in terms of evidence-based practice. So just kind of closing that gap so we all have the information, awareness and knowledge around these women-specific topics, really. Have you noticed that the gap has closed? Have you got further to accomplishing, I suppose, what you want to get toward with your end result? Yeah, no, so I think that's a really interesting question. So I was involved in um, a research paper that we did last year, which basically was looking at this data gap we have in terms of male research versus female research. And what we wanted to do is we took sort of all the data from the top sports science journals that from, we went back from 2014 all the way through to the, this year, so it was 2020 when we finished. And what we found is actually that there was only 6% of studies being done exclusively on women. So you can see that we've got this massive data gap 
gap in terms of only 6% were including women in their studies. So you can see that actually that hasn't really changed from the past. You know, we haven't included women and we're still not including women. So there are so many unanswered questions that we do and potentially so many opportunities to enhance women's not only performance, but health and well-being in this area, just general participation in sport. So yeah, the, this gap is closing. Like it is, it is, you know, hopeful for the future. I know when I started my PhD, no one was really interested in this space or talking about it compared to now it's so much more talked about so hopefully you know we kept on getting that funding and that interest to hopefully answer some of these questions we've all we've all got <laughs> essentially opening a can of worms and if you go searching for a you end up inevitably searching for a b and c what are some of the key factors that you have unlocked yeah, so my main research area, like I mentioned, is on the menstrual cycle and hormonal contraception. And those are, you know, some of the more obvious factors that we need to consider as women and girls in sport that are different from men. So we're not a totally different species. All research, I'm not saying all research done on men so far, you know, it isn't applicable to women. Like, we are largely the same and that can be used. But there are specific stuff like the menstrual cycle and how that affects or hormonal contraception, but also more broadly in terms of things like breast health, pelvic floor health, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, menopause. There are all kind of female specific topics that have all went relatively under the radar and we need to kind of shine that light on you know we're not we're, we're not totally different but there are some different factors that we do need to consider when we're taking part in sport what is your key takeaways and what have you found significant in terms of injuries performance anything of this magnitude yeah, definitely. So like I say, my research is based on the menstrual cycle, hormonal contraceptives, and what we mainly focused on was, does this influence our ability to perform? Does it influence our ability to recover from exercise as well? So basically, we have, you know, these hormones across the menstrual cycle. They follow a very cyclical fairly predictable pattern each and every month. And because we have receptors for these hormones, you know, estrogen and progesterone all around our body. So they're not just limited to our reproductive system. They're in our brains, they're in our muscles, they're in our gut, they're in tissues, you know, in systems that are important for sports performance and training. So because of that, you know, it can affect performance and training. So we looked at kind of all the studies so far in terms of menstrual cycle and performance and found that when women are on their period and bleeding, they might suffer from a trivial reduced exercise performance compared to other time points in their cycle and the same is true for if we look at you know women on hormonal contraception so most women are on an oral contraceptive pill and that is the most commonly used and most researched and what we found here is that the pill might slightly reduce exercise performance but the key thing here is that actually the biggest thing we found is every woman's different you know every woman's experience of the menstrual cycle or hormonal contraceptive use is going to be different based on them and therefore we need to be able to program performance in terms of what is best for that individual in front of us so that might be through you know tracking their cycle if they get any symptoms mitigating those symptoms and therefore you know limiting any negative effects they might experience across their menstrual cycle on performance but also we've got to appreciate that you know some women might not notice any difference in their performance or training across the menstrual cycle. It's only one small specific factor here as well. And I don't know if you were, so in terms of the recovery stuff as well, so that has kind of been a big part of my PhD. So, you know, if we do a training session, is there points in our menstrual cycle where we might recover faster? And if we're recovering faster, do we adapt to our training quicker and better as well in terms of that? So we had really interesting studies that had muscle biopsies and everything including, and basically we're just 
analysing some of that now and there are some really interesting findings in terms of recovery at quicker at different points across the menstrual cycle so namely when we've got this big high oestrogen spike just before we ovulate that could be a really good time for our recovery whereas when we're on our period when our hormones are low recovery might take a little bit longer for training as well so again it's likely to be very individualized just as it is with performance but it's you know these factors that we haven't really considered that could just give women a specific edge to their performance or just to help them you know keep performing at their original ability so presumably with all of this research it is absolutely imperative that you have a massive sample pool of athletes to work with be they basic just normal people just trying to get their standard exercise to pro athletes so how important is it to have a community that are willing to share their experiences with you yeah, 100%. And that's been such a big factor with, you know, have developing that kind of platform of period to period. Because I noticed before when we started trying to get women participants into the labs, you know, there wasn't that awareness, there wasn't that kind of... Women didn't really know that their menstrual cycle might affect their performance and training. So they weren't really interested or in the study that, you know, was just starting to look at it. But actually now, you know, when we give them the awareness with that kind of project was really easy to recruit for and we had so many women that wanted to be involved the problem that we had is that we didn't have enough funding to actually have all the consumables to then you know have all these women partake taking part so there's a bit of a balance there in terms of that as well but yeah no hopefully as we get more awareness we get more funding and we get more research and we can really make a difference to not only their sort of performance but also that kind of longevity of taking part in sport throughout their whole life it doesn't matter your nationality or where you're based. So how can somebody get involved? How can somebody speak with you or speak with your team or supply information that can assist with your research? Yeah, definitely. So you, we have s several platforms in terms of, you know, the period of the period, and that's on Instagram, it's on Twitter. We've also got a podcast that we, you know, speak to actual researchers in the area, and it covers that broad range of, you know, from, from you know, menstrual cycles all the way through to menopause as well so that is kind of my new venture in here so the reason why I'm coming over to Ireland as a postdoc researcher to actually look at you know the other end of the spectrum now so um, perimenopause and menopause and a lifestyle intervention for that including physical activity etc so hopefully that's something everyone can participate in as well but also likes of the event that's running out of SETU you know that's going to publicize you know this sports science and the female athlete and you know bring together several people to hopefully raise more awareness and get involved in that way as well. And what about Kelly McNulty? What uh, you? I believe you're uh, you're an avid Newcastle United supporter. Are you? <laughs> are, you are you happy with how things are going at this moment in time? It's good at the minute. We're all happy. All happy in Newcastle at the minute. So yeah. And are you actively involved in any sports at this moment in time yourself? So I've always, um, this is kind of the reason why I got into the area. So I was a keen golfer, um, played a lot kind of at a national level, international level growing up. And like I say, it was something that kind of had a massive effect on my performance and my training. But at the time, you know, we were mixed in with the boys, doing the same training as them, doing everything. But I just hadn't got the questions. You know, I was struggling with the menstrual cycle, hormonal contraception, and there was no one to kind of go to and speak to. But hopefully that can change for the next group of you know young female athletes that we're just starting now that they have those answers so they can hopefully perform better. <laughs> Brilliant talking to you and I wish you the very very best in everything going forward I look forward to it with a keen eye. No that's brilliant thank you so much. Five counties one big sports show sports beat extra
That's it for this week's show. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure to spend the afternoon with you. I'm loving the emails that are coming through, so keep sending them at sport at beat102103.com. There is nothing too big or small in the world of sport that I will not talk about. Beat anthems are coming up next, but right before that, listen up if you're a club or sporting society in the region. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie Do you fancy winning a grand for your club? Because Club Focus is back. Each month I'll visit a club in the region and I'll give them a chance to take their place in the limelight. And that's to feature on air, online and across our socials. At the end of the 12 months, one lucky club is going to bag €1,000 bursary. And that winning club will also be chosen through a public vote, giving you a tremendous opportunity to attract new members. Club Focus is part of Beat's ongoing commitment to support the work that local clubs do, while also celebrating the positive impact that they have on all the local communities. So if you want to get your club involved, simply head to beat102103.com forward slash club focus to apply now. I'll see you soon. Club Focus with Eco Solar Energy, the solar experts you can rely on. Make the cleaner choice. EcoSolarEnergy.ie